The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape on the W2M Network for the kickoff. Good evening once again, everybody. My name is Harry Broadhurst, thankfully not hacking up along this week, so already progress. Joining me as per usual, my co-host Brandon Biscabing. Yeah, this time we're uh, going back to back nights. Yeah, I was just about to say, it's it's almost like I had to deal with you yesterday, too. <laughs> And the new fourth man here in the kickoff, an official co-host now, Eric Watkins. Now at least you have me to deal with to liven things up a bit. (laughs) Well, it is all about the Eric. The Eric. It's all about the Eric. Anywho. Stephen Err is not with us because, of course not. Why would he be? (laughs) <laughs> some things never change i'm gonna get so much heat from steven for saying that luckily i do have uh i do have steven's picks for our various segments and stuff so he will still have a presence in this episode if not physically so i was everyone's week before we get started on our show here getting ready for christmas eric crazy Thankfully, a decent kind of crazy, but crazy. <laughs> Speaking of crazy, how about them Jaguars? <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I still don't think fans are prepared for what can happen over the next three weeks. And the fact that now they're being talked up in the press, it, I don't know. I just don't want our new freshly built amphitheater to somehow be burnt down if anything happens. So I'm going to be crossing my fingers over the next month. I think the words that you should use to describe your team right now, Eric, are are cautiously optimistic. If I didn't have to deal with the fan base that I'm surrounded by, those would be the perfect words. But, um... Between the Mayo celebrations in the parking lot and what happened at the end of the Seattle game, I can't use those words. Well, I can I can top that. Has any of your has any of your fans ever tried to jump through a flaming table in the pregame lot and caught themselves on fire? <laughs> Welcome to Buffalo. No, trying to, uh, trying to uh, become their inner McFoley. Um, well, Mick only did the flaming table spot a couple of times here. I think this is more of like, uh, does anybody remember like the Baldies from ECW or huh. Balls Money? I feel oh, like that would be a more applicable reference here. Yeah, very true. Especially since the Baldies were from New York. I feel like that would fit. True. Very true. Of course, people are tuning in to hear a football podcast and they have no idea what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it is the W2M network, so you would at least hope that a few of our fans are wrestling fans as well. Not to make people tune into my podcast and wondering what the hell I'm talking about. So this is nothing new to my audience. Yeah, well, in fairness, we're spending most of the time wondering what you're talking about too, Eric. <laughs> Touche. Touche. With that, let's get to let's get into something we do know what we're talking about here. It's time for this week in studs and duds. Eric, 
You're going Homer here, and frankly, I don't blame you after the performance they put up. Go for it, sir. I mean, I expected the Jaguars to beat the Texans. Part of me didn't expect them to beat them the way that they did, so even bigger kudos. But uh, if you were a FanDuel hardcore guy, more power to you because you probably saw this coming. I didn't. If Keelan Cole, a guy that I had never even heard of, all of a sudden he shows up with two touchdown catches, and I'm like, where were these people when, you know, we were losing those couple of key games? Why didn't he show up against Tennessee during the first meeting? I have no idea, but I'm glad that he showed up now. Yeah, it's almost like Blake Blake Bortles is finding his fo- footing. Hey, funny story about that, eh, Brandon? Thanks for the segue, uh, Harry. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna stick with the uh, the pass catch duo of uh, Blake Bortles, my stud, and uh, and whatever your stud was, uh, I'm Keenan Cole. Um, yeah. Blake Bortles, three twenty-six yards, three touchdowns in a thrashing of Houston, forty-five to seven. Uh, Jaguars definitely uh, stepping up their game and getting their groove on, moving into the playoff. Yeah, I'm convinced that Blake Bortles realizes, you know what? If I don't do anything these next few games, I'm going to be out of a job. And yeah. We still have Chad Henney, inexplicably. <laughs> I hope that changes. <laughs> I, I think Blake Bortles, especially with how they've played this year and the fact that, you know, they're solidly in the playoffs, that, um, yeah, I think they're pretty much safe. Or I think his job is pretty much safe, rather. I was just about to say the very same thing here. If Blake Bortles manages to take the Jacksonville Jaguars to an 11-5 and season or so, his job safety in Jacksonville is certain, at least for next season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll probably get a veteran-free agent to compete with him, and please use that veteran-free agent to blow Chad Henney off the team. For the love of God, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing another season of development under Bortles. Well, let me tell you to look at the bright side here, Eric, with Chad Henney on your team. You guys are guaranteed to win the NFL Softball League. <laughs> True. I'm just, I'm True. just saying. Yeah. How many, other, how many other NFL players do you know that have played professional baseball? And pitch for the Yankees. Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so you guys would be competing with Seattle. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Seattle, Segway! <laughs> My stud for the week actually was playing against Seattle. And he only played two and a half quarters. Did you know in that two and a half quarters he scored four times? Yeah, that, God, I look so stupid for predicting that one. 154 yards rushing, three on the ground, one through the air, four, who may be the NFL's most improved player, Todd Gurley. They have a superstar in the making on their hands in Los Angeles. 
This is what happens when you have a coach that actually knows what to do on offense. Not to mention it's a young coach, too. Isn't their head coach only like 32 years old? Yes. Yes. Sean McVay, I think his name is. That's the man. And he's making a very serious run for NFL coach of the year as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I missed the mid-season awards, but when, but if I were on, that was going to be my pick for Coach of the Year. Well, you would have split us down the middle because I think Philadelphia's Doug Peterson won the uh, the Coach of the Year in our mid-season awards. Mm. All right, so while I take a quick second to look for Steven's picks here, why don't we go ahead and move on into your dud, Eric. Now... This is what angers me about ex-Jaguar quarterbacks. They show up to beat us, yet when they have a moment at a signature win not against us, they completely crap the bed. The Arizona Cardinals, led by Blaine Gabbert, ran 80 plays against the Washington Redskins. 80 yet they failed to score a single touchdown. Mind you, this is a Redskins defense that, let's face it, pretty mediocre on a good day, yet you couldn't find the end zone whatsoever? Dear Lord, no wonder Drew Stanton is starting next week. (laughs) All right, real quick, before we get to Brandon's dud, I have to give you Steven's stud here, and... Um, actually, uh, Eric, you'll be very happy with Steven's stud because he he directly affects your Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, boy. San Francisco 49er quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, yeah, he's going to he's making me a little nervous. (laughs) The 49ers go. To their third straight win, because apparently number one draft picks are overrated. (laughs) Cleveland's got it clinched. As Garoppolo goes 31 of 43 for 381 yards and a touchdown pass. As the San Francisco 49ers officially knock out any chance that the Tennessee Titans had of winning the AFC South 25-23. I mean, it's not like they really need that number one overall pick now if Garoppolo is going to continue playing the way he's been playing over these last couple of weeks. I I think it's hilarious you think Jimmy's staying in San Francisco this offseason, but very well, carry on. Hey, he's not the only one. I think the Patriots are realizing they made a mistake by letting him go and letting him go on the cheap. And San Francisco is like, hey, maybe we've got our franchise guy. And also, Tennessee could still technically win the AFC South. It is highly unlikely, especially two games back with two to play. You're dormied. You've got them dormied, to use a golf term. And plus, don't they play each other? Yes, yeah. they go to Nashville Week 17. That's why we've yeah, got the, the Titans aren't beating the Rams, guys. Just enough. Yeah. Look, I'm you not see saying what the Rams this, just did. Look, I'm not saying this. <laughs> oh my before, But remember the whole cautiously optimistic thing. Until <laughs> we get that why next to our name, whenever they show up in the standings, I'm gonna hold my breath. 
Well, the, you can you can be thankful that they clinched the a playoff berth now. Yes, I'm glad that we got the I'm, X. Except there's a Y, and then light candles and do rain dances and make voodoo dolls that we can maybe turn that Y into a Z. Okay, you guys are. And also, what makes Harry think he's not going to be in San Francisco next year? Those dudes can pay him more money than anybody else because he's on that team already. Thank you. I still don't see it. I see, I see Belichick doing everything he can to get Garoppolo back in New England this off season. No, uh, too bad. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they could have figured out that he knows how to play just by looking at his tape from the two games he played without Brady when Brady was suspended. They don't need this tape from San Francisco. They traded not- away for other reasons. Exactly. Sean. That goes back to a whole big thing between Belichick and Robert Kraft. So, Sean, you're killing me. <laughs> Brandon Dud hit me. I'm going to stick with the game that you were talking about for your stud. And I'm going to go on the other side and just say the Seahawks' entire team. I mean, yes, the Rams have been playing very well this year, but... I mean, come on, it's a home game. You're trying to fight to stay in contention for making the playoffs. How do you put a giant goose egg like 42 to 7 up? Oh, no, I completely agree with you. The issue that I have with uh, Seattle here is, did you guys happen to see what one of the uh, Los Angeles Rams players said to the one website? I forget which website it was. Bleacher Report. That yeah. is poking the bear with a damn spoon. I don't no, care if you one like that. The Rams, the Ram, one of the Rams defend, one of the Rams defenders was quoted as saying, "Is they were so soft, it was like playing the Browns." Oh, okay. I think I did see someone post that somewhere. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little harsh. Yeah, that's really poking the bear there. So I'm gonna go ahead and make a I'm gonna go ahead and make a quick Mad TV reference here, and Eric, I'll let you describe the Mad TV reference in question. Okay, they started on Mad they started on Mad TV, and then they got their own show on Comedy Central. But it's a specific person that the reference is about. You done stop, a a Ron. <laughs> God, see, you know, thanks for putting me on the spot because I haven't watched Mad TV or much of anything on Comedy Central in years. <laughs> oh, son of a... Uh... Ron, Aaron, <laughs> Rodgers. Oh, oh, please. When I think of Aaron Rodgers references, I think of Morse code with Clay Matthews or the discount double check. <laughs> well, he should have he should have discount double checked his performance on Sunday because okay. any chance that any chance that Green Bay had of making the postseason is now officially up in smoke, courtesy of the Carolina Panthers. Eric, please elaborate upon said circumstance. Okay, now to be fair, this was Aaron Rodgers' first game back after eight weeks and what should have been 12 weeks with that collarbone injury. And we're talking two plates and 13 screws in said collarbone. And for personal reasons, his performance was good enough that I slightly rude having him on the bench in favor of Russell Wilson and my fantasy football semifinal. It was good enough for me to still win 
but I would have rubbed it in my friend's face even better. <laughs> yes, he went over 300 yards, three touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions. T- not, the, not the best kind of a day that you're looking for when, you know, you pretty much have to win out to make the playoffs. I mean, to be fair to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, this is kind of counter to the whole thing with Seattle, where they're pretty much in the same spot. Mm-hmm. The Packers were playing on the road against mm-hmm. a very good and very hot Carolina Panthers team. Yeah, and the, the Panthers, to their credit, they needed a win to keep pace with New Orleans. and. They made Aaron Rodgers even more vulnerable. They hit him 12 times. And, and after the game, even Coach Mike McCarthy said, yeah, he's a little sore. <laughs> and this is, you know, I I honestly think, I mean, there's still, you know, a couple, there's still these last two games to be played. And it's not guaranteed. But I could very easily see the NFC South having three teams in the playoffs this year. Well, I think for a fact, obviously, the Saints are going as the division winners here. I think Carolina is more or less a lock at this point. Atlanta's going to be in a dogfight for that sixth spot, though, with Detroit and Dallas. Well, the big game is is next week, uh, Panthers against Falcons in Atlanta. If Atlanta wins that game, they're they're in. we didn't we kind of talk about this game last week on the show as well, stating that that's probably going to be the national broadcast because it could determine people getting in and or seating. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be one of the big games of the week since well, with the scheduling the next two weeks. Plus, it's strangely convenient that over week sixteen and seventeen, the NFC South only plays each other. So in, even though the New Orleans is in a position now to be division champs, if Atlanta wins out, they're in as division champs, forcing both Carolina and New Orleans to the five and six. Yeah, but I don't think New Orleans is going to choke this away, though. I mean, out of the three quarterbacks there, for as much as I may respect Matt Ryan's performances, I'm taking Drew Brees every day. Well, hey, and also- I'm right there with you. Uh, also, um, I think the Saints, especially with having home field advantage, will be able to win this game against the Falcons this week. And then, you know, the Buccaneers are the odd team out. So they're going to be an easy win for the Saints in Week 17. All right. And now we go to my dud for the week here. Hold on one second. I have to... Go back into our conversation here. I got a little sidetracked because I had to have Eric take over there for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember who I said is my dud. That's sad. Tisk tisk tisk. I know. I'm 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 a terrible. I'm a terrible. Actually, you know why I don't remember who I said for my dud? Because I never actually named one. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it all makes sense now. All right. Well, then I guess I'm going to go with something that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier here. Okay, so it's it's week fifth. It's week fifteen of the regular season, right? Mm-hmm. You're a game behind your division leader. Mm-hmm. You're 
having the opportunity to play a team that only has three wins up to this point in the season, two of them since their new quarterback has came and joined the team. Mm-hmm. You lose on a walk-off field goal. Congratulations, Tennessee. You've earned my dud for the week. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie Gould. Another one that I hope a lot of FanDuel players had for this week. Yes, he made he made Ryan Suckup's kick irrelevant from a minute and seven seconds prior. <laughs> yeah, Not I mean, to mention he went something like what six for six, five for five, something ridiculous. Six for six sounds correct because they did score twenty five points, and that would equate to eighteen from field goals. Yeah, I mean, I talked about how the Seahawks laid an egg, you know, against the Rams, but at least the Rams are a good team. They're going to be the NFC West. Uh, uh, the the NFC West uh, guy for, yeah NFC West champions for in the playoffs. Whereas the Forty ers you know, yeah, they're hot now, but they're four and ten. They're they're well on their way to a number four pick in the NFL draft. Yes, just saying. Which so I'm congratulations, so Tennessee. That the the Giants are going to have a top three pick. You know, I just realized something here with Tennessee's loss, too. That puts Buffalo back in the sixth seed in the AFC. Yes. Mm-hmm. Allow me to elaborate here by saying, what the hell is going on around here? Well, did you guys see, um, did, and, and it makes even more sense, it's even more fitting now, especially with the playoffs building momentum in the teams that are either locks for being in or are pretty close to being locks for being in the playoffs. Did you see Rob Riggle's uh, segment on Fox NFL Sunday? Like, I think this was like three or four weeks ago with him uh, doing the Stranger Things stuff. No, I missed that one. Yeah, he was like, the the Giants are out of the playoffs, the Jaguars are in, and the Bills are relevant. Is this the upside down? And they flipped the screen and it, it, it had a whole... Uh, uh, it had a whole Strangers Things uh, thing. You should look it up. It's funny. Um, but yeah, it's real. It, it really is the case. We are in the upside down in the NFL this year. So what you're saying is we are officially once and for all through the looking glass. Yes, precisely. That that totally works out for me because. Uh, I will point out that a couple of years ago, Buffalo went to New England and won. I will also point out that in that game, Tom Brady, Rob Gunkrowski, and most of the Patriots' backfield did not play. Uh, So help me, George. So help me, George. If Buffalo goes into New England this weekend and beats the Patriots, you guys will never hear the end of it. Oh, we know this. Yeah, I'm anticipating that. And especially because all those players you just mentioned pretty much will be playing since New England still got stuff to lock up. Yeah, if Buffalo wins, um, yeah, I'm just going to be done. Okay, we'll talk more about the Buffalo-New England game a little bit later. Dun-dun-dun! Dramatic reverb. I just love queuing Eric up for that. It's it's one of the funner things I do on a weekly basis. It's All right, guys. It's such an obscure reference. So that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for studs and duds here. What do you say we move into our next t- segment? And we say, so that happened. 
And for this segment here, I'm going to bring in our resident cowboy fan since Steven's not with us. Sean, I need you to join us for a second, sir. Waiting. No, I heard his mic. I heard his mic come back on, so I knew he was with us. You guys get Ezekiel Elliott back this week. Yes, we do. Do you think that there is any chance at all that it makes a difference enough for you guys to sneak in as the six? Well, it's not really up to the Cowboys, right? So, you know, if they... Well, it is if they don't win. So, obviously, they have to win. but they can win, and then the other teams don't fall uh, into place. I think with what you saw in Seattle, uh, from everything I've been seeing today and reports that are coming out, this is a systemic problem. There's a problem in the locker room, and that's just going to keep happening. That was not just the Rams whooping them. That was there's apparently problems between uh, Doug Baldwin and other players that like there's a bunch of clicks in the locker room and mm-hmm. a divide there. So uh, that that probably is not going to help. I'm sure, you know, if Todd Gurley did what he did, Zeke can do just the same thing here. I mean, let's not forget Zeke was running just fine before he left. It's not like he was in a slump uh, playing. And then he got the the vacation. Of course, sometimes there is rust. So, but running uh, backs is different than than Aaron Rodgers having to come in and throw and take over the you, game. And all that. But the problem is, is you do realize you guys are going to get your asses beat Week 17 against Philly, right? That's not necessarily true. If they have everything locked up, you don't know if they start Nick Foles or not. They, if they, they Thing locked up there though. could be resting people by then N- not to mention have you if seen the vikings the... lose they can have things locked not up. to mention have you seen the pictures of zeke he didn't just take this as a vacation he went he cleared his head and he spent all that time down in cabo training he's even more ripped he's lost a little weight I think he's going to be coming back with a vengeance these last couple weeks. Yeah, he didn't pull a Tony Romo in Cabo, that's for sure. (laughs) I don't don't see the Philadelphia game week 17 ending well for you, especially if Philadelphia has something to play for. You guys better hope that Minnesota lays an egg in Green Bay and Philadelphia runs up the division. Hold on. Let's be clear. There was no Zeke in the game against Philly the first time. And that makes a difference. That was when the Cowboys were in that slump. They have figured it out without Zeke. You add Zeke to that offense, all of a sudden the receivers can get open because you now have to pay attention to what happens in the run game. You're not going to be stopping giving him the ball like you do Morris in the middle of the second quarter or whatever. This is a much different deal that you're – if the Cowboys know, let's say say things fall the way that things can fall. Let's say – I don't think the Lions thing's going to happen. There's a much better chance the Lions are up against it against Green Bay and Brett Hundley because we have seen Hundley sometimes play, you know, bigger than he is. But let's say things fall where Carolina loses, the Falcons lose, and the Lions lose. The Cowboys are in a play-in, play-in-your-in situation with the Eagles, regardless of what happens with the other teams. That's a a much different scenario. Atlanta defense is vulnerable. Look at what Eli did to him. I just don't think it'll happen just because Atlanta has a win and you're in game 
at home on week 17 against Carolina. No, so, hold on. It just depends on what what number one of the teams have to lose twice. Yeah. So if Carolina loses and the Falcons lose, you're in a situation where only one of those teams can get in. So that's all that matters. I don't think Carolina loses to Tampa Bay, though. I know. I don't Car- think so either. What I'm saying is things ha- if things fall and you're talking about a play and you're in game, that's a much bigger deal for the Cowboys. And I, that's a much tighter game than, say, if you're still having to hope and pray while you're playing that game. <sighs> It, my issue for Dallas here with Philadelphia is is I just – Philadelphia not having Carson Wentz is, is an opportunity for Dallas to take advantage of a situation next week. But I think that Foles has enough experience with the Philadelphia offense and enough experience around the players that he's going to be around for these final two games to help them finish the job as the NFC's overall did top seed. Did you not seed. watch the Giants think... game or, or did we see two different games here? Did you see how close the Giants got to beating them? That's what – that was my point. My this, at the same time that, uh, and you're mentioning that this was a re, this is a rejuvenated Cowboys team with the return of uh, Ezekiel Elliott. It's a rejuvenated Giants team last weekend with the return of Eli to the starting lineup and the and the releasing of Ben McAdoo as the head coach. That's been two weeks now. I would say Sterling Shepard coming back was a big deal, but still, like. You know, the thing is, it's a divisional game. Much different deal. you got all your guys. I mean, let's hope that Tyron Smith and uh, Anthony Hitchens are fine by then. But look, uh, nothing matters unless they win this game against Seattle. Let's get through that game first. Thank you for joining us to talk Cowboys, Sean. We appreciate it. Problem? Okay. One of the other things that we were kind of talking about earlier is the unbelievable rise of Jimmy Garoppolo the last couple of weeks in San Francisco here. Eric, you seem to be of the belief that Garoppolo might be the the 49ers franchise quarterback. I absolutely do. And I think the Patriots made a mistake. Simply put, Bill Belichick himself, he knows how Tom Brady is. And yes, even though he's had a tremendous season now at the age of 40, you're getting to the point, I thought that the the game against the Dolphins was just something of an aberration. Now you factor in, even though it was a win, that game against the Steelers. Later you go in the season, Tom Brady wears down a little bit, then gets a first-round bye, he's back to his old self in the playoffs. I'm thinking Belichick knew that Tom Brady's days were running short. He knew what he had in Garoppolo and wanted to transition to Garoppolo as a starting quarterback. But Robert Kraft and ownership said, no, Brady's the franchise, Brady's our guy. Because, I mean, you had someone very capable in that system He could easily be a dynamite guy. San Francisco, with an offensive-minded head coach like Kyle Shanahan, took that leap of faith. And thanks in part to C.J. Beathard being injured, it's like, all right, Jimmy G, you've only had a couple of weeks, but let's see what you can do and look at what he's done. He has not lost a game as a starting quarterback 
in his NFL career. I really think that the 49ers are going to want to, instead of using an early draft pick on a quarterback, take those picks and build around the quarterback that they have. It would make life easier for them. Let me ask you I this. Mean, I don't know. Real quick, Brandon, what... Brandon, before okay. you before yeah. you start, give me one quick second to ask Eric a follow up here. Okay. How scared if you are? How scared are you of Garoppolo and the Niners this week as a Jacksonville fan? I am significantly scared. I've seen what Garoppolo can do. I saw even what Garoppolo could do going back to his college days at Eastern Illinois. He is used to big situations, not to mention he's also seeing this as a tryout for the starting job himself. I think that our secondary can contain him, but if I'm looking at the game, seeing the final stats, and he's anywhere in the 250 to 300 yard range with a touchdown or two, I wouldn't be surprised. It was damn near 400 against Tennessee. Yeah, 391. And keep in mind, he's only had, what, about a month to figure out that Niners playbook? A month. Give him a whole offseason and really see what he can do. And I think John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and those 49ers will. All right, Brandon, you were saying I apologize for interrupting earlier. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, I mean, first off, especially with how, I mean, I get that especially now with how the Patriots are and, you know, the Patriots way and all of that, that they focus on winning here and now. So I get why they did it. But I'm sure Bill Belichick, if in his ideal world, he would have wanted to keep Garoppolo as the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Um but with that being said, I completely agree with Eric. I think um, I think the 49ers are going to do all that they can to build it around Garoppolo and have him be their quarterback of the future based on what they've shown him over these past couple of weeks. Because he has shown that he can do a lot of great things even with a small with even with a you know small roster and a mediocre roster um i know this is a different team well it's kind of reverse um but look at what happened with alex smith in kansas city where he went there and he's been helping that team become a powerhouse i mean yes they've had their struggles this year they had their slump but now they're starting to rebuild and get back into that playoff hunt and back into the groove that they need to be in. Um, another quarterback that didn't work quite as well, um, it also in Kansas City, but he had a decent career with them, was Matt Castle, who was another former Patriots backup. So, you know, there is a precedent here of, you know, Patriots backups, you know, going to other teams and at least being decent quarterbacks. And especially with them, I'm assuming they'll have the fourth overall pick now. I don't think they go after a quarterback. If they can secure Garoppolo staying, they're going to do it and they're going to focus on building around him. 
As of right now, San Francisco picks fifth. Okay, fifth. Because they're just ahead of Chicago based on the head-to-head victory. Okay. Good enough position to maybe get a running back to replace Or a wide receiver. Yeah. All right, so our next topic here for So That Happened is Sean Puff, Daddy Diddy, P, Brother Love, moron, Combs wants to purchase the Carolina Panthers so that he can sign Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Sean, do us all a favor. Stick to what you know. Stick to making garbage music. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. He doesn't just make garbage music. I'm sorry, have you tried Ciroc vodka? God, that stuff is delicious. Um... It would be at this point where I would drop a CM Punk line, but I'm going to go ahead and be the bigger man here and not do it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Straight edge means I'm better than you. Totally, <laughs> totally with you there, Eric. You know, y'all See? straight edge, whatever. It's okay to drink in moderation. Ciroc is good. Go hey, and drop. Never, never drink and drive. 21 means 21. Other than that, party your ass off. Damn right. <laughs> yes, needless to say, needless to say, Eric and I have some philosophical differences here. No, the answer to your question is I have never and nor will I ever try his vodka. But hey, if people like yeah. it, great. Stick yeah, to doing that. Stick to making garbage music. Stay away from the National Football League. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know, though. I mean, first of all, he's at least trying to get things out there and at least assemble an ownership group which Colin Kaepernick said he wants to be part of. I think that's a bad idea. But with, and I'm going to just throw this out there, with the variety of misconduct with the current owner of the Panthers, with the NFL really wanting to, as a lot of people and teams and leagues would do in this situation, overcorrect, having a minority owner, especially someone with a net worth of over $800 million, isn't the worst thing on the planet. You throw and, in and the not right... not only him, too, Eric. You got the pretty boy, you know, goody-two-shoe Steph Curry that's coming along. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, if Colin Kaepernick's part of that group, that that's, you know, they can probably end that whole lawsuit and whatever, and hey, you know, he Absolutely. can stick it to the owners, too. I, uh, I not, just not to think I, I just think that this is going to open a big old can of worms that seem to be closed for the last couple of weeks um, that he's just suddenly blowing open again. And then we're going to have to deal with the whole controversy all over again. Um, yeah, for, forgive my phrasing here, but I'm just sick and tired of hearing about Colin fucking Kaepernick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's been over and done with, and, you know, they don't even show the anthem on TV anymore. This so, is, yeah. like, not to mention, this is a dude that still gets more headlines than probably 24, 25 of the NFL quarterbacks that are starters. Yeah. So, Hold on, gonna... but th- this is a bit, but it's a, he's a bit part of all this because number one, but the, the fact, fact that, that this, this has to be cleared. Number one, number one, this has to be cleared. Number two, Diddy has to get more than just Steph Curry and Colin Kaepernick. He has to get a guy that makes more money than him 
to, yeah. to get in this to be able to make this work. Number no. two, Three. I, I'm, I, number whatever it is, I, I think <laughs> the point is here, he, it's going to be a bigger deal that Diddy is an owner than it is Colin Kaepernick is, is there on like I the fourth or fifth level. But the I fact that that was one of the first things that he brought up when he announced his intentions to try to go after the ownership for the Panthers, it, it just oozes publicity stunt for me and trying to get this whole story back out in the forefront. Okay, but oh, look okay. at it from no, his perspective, no though. Pu- no more of a publicity stunt than J-Lo owning a piece of the Dolphins. Well, and also, not just that, but look at why Jerry Richardson is being taken out of there, right? There's racist yeah. claims. So why wouldn't you go the other way and and try to bring this up? That was the hypercorrection that I'm talking about. Better to do that in this case than anything else. (laughs) Okay, A, at this rate, J-Lo could probably play for the Dolphins. B, Sean's apparently hitting the Ciroc tonight while he's producing the show. (laughs) C... I agree with Brandon. It's a publicity stunt. He has no real intention of owning this team. He has no real intention of doing anything when it comes to a major professional sport because he's talked about owning a professional sports team before and done both the jack and crap about it. At least Jay-Z had the balls to go through with his purchase of the New Jersey Nets. Hell, yep. LeBron did as well. It's, it's the entire thing, like Brandon said, screams publicity stunt to me, and it screams like another way to reopen the Colin Kaepernick story, which frankly, this time of the year, given the fact that we've taken the anthem off of television, that nobody's really thinking about Kaepernick right now, should be dead and buried in the sports pages. Yep. Well, let me ask you this. Say that Diddy doesn't have that tweet. Say that it doesn't go viral. Fine. Have you heard... Because the announcement's been out there saying he's going to sell the team at the end of the season. It's going to be available. Forbes was quick to produce their valuation at $2.3 billion. With everything going on in this league, with the opportunity, with the sheer revenue stream, who else have you heard about knowing this is up for grabs, even stepping up to say they're interested in getting the team. I can only think of two people, Diddy and someone you're really not going to like who tried to buy a professional sports team before, and boy, did that end up a bloody mess. Oh, yes, I agree. Among the three potential, like, the three people that I could think of to buy this team, Diddy would definitely be the top choice. But... I mean... Wait, I, hold on. I, I don't know who the third name is, so now I'm confused. Um, I don't know who the second name that Eric will be mentioning is. Jared Kushner, his family. Oh, okay. I was thinking of two other people. One person that Harry and I know quite well, and the other one that everyone thinks is an idiot nowadays. Yeah, I could totally see Vince McMahon trying to buy the Carolina Panthers. I'd be okay with it, actually. You'd be okay with it? I think I would, because it would get him away from the WWE, and it would let Triple H, Stephanie, and Shane take over the company. Not to mention his own league and then buy an NFL team. 
Well, if he's going to buy an NFL team, then obviously the United Football League isn't going to happen, which brings me to my next point, and so that happened. Segway! <laughs> I, just, I, I feel like we need a sound effect there, so I don't have to keep doing that three or four times every show. <laughs> Um, yeah, Vince McMahon wants to get back into the national football and back into the, the football business here in the, in the America. I sound like Sean. <laughs> Vince yeah, McMahon. Acting like he doesn't mess up like 20 times an hour. Quiet <laughs> producer. <laughs> Vince McMahon wants to get back in the football game in America here as apparently he has filed trademarks for UFL and United Football League here. Eric, we kind of talked about this off air before, so I'm going to go to you first with this here. Wouldn't it make more sense if Vince wants to get back in the football for him to just try to resuscitate the dying arena football league? Absolutely, especially because for everybody that sees how bad the arena football league and all the other arena and indoor leagues are doing now, nobody remembers the original UFL that was around from 2009 to 2012, and for good reason, because that was a lot worse. <laughs> I mean, would you really sit and tune in on a Wednesday night or a Friday night, mainly a Wednesday, and occasionally Thursdays, until the NFL decided to steal it, but to sit and watch what was essentially minor league professional football. Now, granted, Jay Gruden was a coach. Marty Schottenheimer won his only professional championship. And you had a lot of players, including kicker Graham Gano, who were in that league. But when you got to the point where attendance was five and 600 fans a game, it was the beginning of the end. Is it wrong that I don't even remember the United Football League? Oh no, unless you're a hardcore guy that remembers Dante Culpepper suiting up for the Sacramento Mountain Lions. No, (laughs) you're in the majority, Harry. I mean, I remember the beginning of it, like when when like they first started, and I might have watched like one or two games of the first season, but like Mm -hmm. that's the problem. That's the problem that any football or you know even you know going you know basketball or hockey league would have in the modern era is this isn't the 60s and 70s where you know competition is is you know respected everyone automatically you know defaults to the main league so you have a big uphill battle not only on in terms of um, not only in terms of quality of talent and of competition, but also in terms of the fans and in terms of the networks, mm-hmm. you have a huge uphill battle in getting any foothold on the market. And the only way that I think you could do it is one of two ways, and both ways would be very hard to do. Either A, go what Harry and I and everyone else who follows WWE and, and saw this story originally thought, which was that Vince was going to bring bring back the XFL and have it be 
really what the XFL was originally going to be, which would cater to that niche audience that still wants that. But then you have to deal with the the media and, and general public, especially now in today's PC uh, era, that you would have a huge backlash against it. So you'd have that issue. And then the, uh, then the other way to handle it or the only other way that you could have a league be successful is if you had someone, you'd have to have, you know, pretty much the the other man that I was thinking was uh, a contender for the Panthers' uh, bid. Someone of his monetary value as the commit as the commissioner and the owner of the league. And being able to shill out the type of money that would maybe lure some of the better players away from the NFL. That is the only two ways that you could have a league be successful, especially in this day and age. Because other than that, everyone is just going to think of it as a minor league. Well, I I, got to disagree with you there to a point. Because when you're getting into a money situation to lure some of the players away from the NFL that before a certain someone with certain hair got involved, that's what the USFL did. And it worked out to a decent extent, but you get to the point to where you overreach. And as far as with filling a void, you could do the XFL and filling the void of the fact that like a lot of other leagues have tried to do, but ran out of money, find yourself a niche product and put it in the spring. You're not in direct competition. You have those still a vast talent pool for your players. You could get venues and everything, and it could work perfectly. So, yes, if you had someone with the kind of monetary backing that would have a league survive, to get off the ground and last for a couple of years, that would be great. But you said it yourself, and Sean and I talked about this on Football to the Max. Bringing the XFL today, what you had in 2001, would not work whatsoever. Yeah. Whatsoever. Well, not to mention a couple... changed the name because he knows Mm -hmm. that it's not going to be anything that the XFL was. And well, the fact that nobody remembers the original UFL, which was on Versus, which is now NBCSN, that made it even easier for him. So that's a win. I do, I do remember the UFL, but that's just me. Well, let's also not forget as far as the original XFL is a lot of the things that made the XFL stand out in terms of it, its presentation is stuff that the NFL is now doing themselves. Yeah. Well, I'm not even so much – I'm not talking about presentation-wise. I'm talking, you know uh, – play style of play wise well my other point to this too is and this is kind of going back to what eric and i were discussing there is i think there would be a whole lot more interest if vince mcmahon were involved for an an arena football league presented by vince mcmahon rather than trying to resurrect a dead brand in the united football league well another thing that that would actually it would be easier for him to get that started up already i mean granted he has connections with stadiums because of mania but you know he has more of a connection with arenas because that's where they travel and that's where they set up shop 
So he could easily go to these arenas and say, hey, you want an arena football league team. And not to mention the fact that as it stands, hypothetically, let's just say the arena football league doesn't have a season. We're now mid-December. There's been no issues or even any news as far as the collective bargaining agreement. So say that league's gone. Now you look at the other four leagues, the American Arena League. They have 16 teams, including three travel teams. The National Arena League, which has eight. You have the, well, really six. The uh, Indoor Football League, which has eight teams. And then you have the Champions Indoor Football. All these teams switching between leagues, trying to find a better situation. Vince McMahon, all he would have to do, pick, say, eight or ten, make a couple calls and say, hey, I'm starting up this league, X, Y, Z, why don't you come follow me? And ownership groups would. Right now would be the perfect time because the ground is that fertile because all of these leagues are in such a mess. It's just that there's so many different ways that this could be presented that – I feel like the opportunity is there if Vince wanted to take it in order to put, kind of put his foot into mainstream American football with this alpha entertainment offspring that he's doing here. I don't think that a resurrection of the XFL would work. I don't think that a resurrection of the UFL would work. I feel like his best well, bet well, for success. On, let's take away the UFL thing. The reason, and Eric brought it up, is that he got his because nobody really, really remembers it. The point is having football in the spring when nobody's playing – Mm-hmm. And you can be an yeah. NFL light and succeed. Because all people want is to have football year-round that's competent. That's yeah. it. Okay, I mean, but that's but, like I mentioned. It's not the same with Arena League. We can bring up Arena League all we want to, but there is a stigma that comes with Arena League. People just won't watch it because of yeah. it being inside and people not taking it the same way that they do with it being outside and being similar to the NFL. It's just, why not? See, when I I'll be entirely honest with you guys. I'm a little bit biased here because when Arena Football League was at its prime, I preferred Arena to the NFL. Well, yeah, and I I grew up and I watched Arena Football and I got into Arena Football as it was going up and into its peak. So I completely agree with you. But if you look at the state of Arena Football from, say, 2000 up until 08, That was that leagues and that sports glory, their golden age, right then and there. You look back from the start of really 2010 when arena football came back until now, it's not even close to the same. You're not getting anywhere close to the big TV contracts, the players stepping up. You get more attention to Canadian football than you would to the arena league. So I have to agree with Sean there. If you have something that's NFL light or something that's completely innovative like the All-11 Football League was going to be in the spring, you're going to have a fan base. Owners have tried. They were able to get something together. They just ran out of money. I I think another issue, um, and maybe this is my bias because of where I'm from and everything but you you have to set up these teams and and it's going to cut your 
your fan base a little bit. Like, you're not going to have the type of fan base for a spring or summer league um, like you do for the NFL. That's just straightforward. But I feel like the best way to handle a, you know, a secondary football league is to either, A, put it in smaller markets exclusively so that you get fans coming out to the games on a regular basis or recreate NFL Europe. Because, I mean, like I said, this may just be me because I'm from New York and, you know, summer is baseball season. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the bigger markets... The summer is focused on baseball, so you're not going to have many fans. I mean, yeah, you may have some who are huge football fans and it's football above everything else going to the games, but you're not going to get the same kind of fan base as you do during the NFL season. Well, you really hit on a good point, Brandon, with the smaller markets, and especially with NFL Europe. If you go back to the first couple of years when it was the World League of American Football, look at where they had their teams. Columbus, Ohio, Orlando, Florida. Smaller markets with still the stadium, but you had a decent fan base to draw from. Now, granted, a lot of those didn't draw well exactly, but you still have ideas of where you could go with things. See, while you'd have to fight against the the stigma that pro football has within these areas, I would honestly, the best way to get a fan base, at least for within the stadium, for a summer football league would be to put it in college cities. Put one in Tuscaloosa, put one in Columbia, put one in Columbus, um, you know, put one in Baton Rouge, you know, yeah, put, it in area, put it in areas where football is king and that's all they think about. Okay, but the issue with that is you'd have to work out the logistics of being able to use those stadiums for such a venture. Well, you do it in the summer. You wouldn't have to worry about them playing at that point. Okay, but like in the spring and stuff where you're talking about here, a lot of those schools do their spring games and stuff. They do their practices and stuff in their stadiums, and they're going to need their stadiums to do their kind of spring stuff. But you only have this, you only have a spring game where it's played in the main stadium once. Yeah, all the other, like, spring camp, those are in the practice facilities. Exactly. So you wouldn't have to worry about them using up the stadium. That's fair. I mean, this is obviously something that we could debate going forward, and especially, and it's something we'll definitely get into more once the season ends. And if this whole adventure with Vince McMahon and his God, Alpha Entertainment actually does go anywhere, because frankly, it was 16 months from the time the XFL was announced to when it became a reality. So what's to say we're going to be talking about this in 2018 anyway? This could be a 2019 situation. And it should be if it wants to be done correctly. You need two years to get it right. So so obviously this isn't going to be anything that we're discussing in the immediate future. It's just something that was worthwhile of being brought up right now since it was a relevant topic due to ownership concerns inside of the NFL as well as the viability of other major American professional football organizations.
Mm-hmm. Anybody else have anything to add for So That Happened? Oh, God. Other than the whole Belichick-Brady fitness guru situation and the reduction of the suspension for the hit on Devontae Adams? Yeah, but at the same time, when Rob, when Rob Gronkowski only got a game for phenomenal forearm, forearming for Davies White, you had to figure Thomas Davis was only going to get a game. Yeah, I honestly think that uh, Gronk should have gotten more. So I'm glad to see that suspension reduced. And, oh, God, New England, please be dysfunctional so I don't have to deal with you anymore this year. Please let this rift build and create a <laughs> <laughs> that 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 would be just, that that would be more likely than uh, the Browns winning a game in the next three years, though. Well, I'm too technically my the, parade, Sean. <laughs> technically speaking, the Browns play the Bears this week. Anything can happen. Eh, still, if everything goes right this week, I'm going to be looking for tickets. And as I said on football to the max. If you need a Grand Marshal, I will even hold a bottle of Excedrin on a cane and wave <laughs> around throughout the parade. I'd be willing to do that. You, okay. you, know be, you know what would be hilarious? And I doubt... Well, actually, it could potentially happen. Um, and Harry is probably hoping it does for different reasons. But it would be funny if the Browns win their one game... In week 17, because the Steelers are starting their third string guys because they've clinched the number one overall spot. Okay, first of all, that's Cleveland Pittsburgh. Even if Pittsburgh had nothing to play for, everybody would be playing against Cleveland. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, if they would. come on now. Yeah, they this, would. this is Cleveland Pittsburgh. Sorry, I don't see that happening. Uh, Eric, I'm just saying that if you come up here for the parade, you better stop in Youngstown and see me, sucker. Oh, you're damn right I would. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so I, uh, I, I, I may have forgotten to create buy or sell questions here, but we did go kind of long on our So That Happens segment. So let me just throw out a couple of quick questions here for buy or sell. No, uh, no prep work for these here. These questions are straight off the top of my head, but I think I got a couple of good ones here. Based on the fact that there are forty-one bleeping bowl games, do you think the NCAA should mandate a rule that a team must finish above five hundred to get into a bowl game? Buy or sell that you must finish at least seven or five to go seven and five to go bowling. I mean, oh. I, ideally, yes, they should. But with how the NCAA is now and they're being money hungry and just making bowls out of their you-know-whats just to make more money and minimizing the competition even more than it already is, it's never going to happen. Do I think it should? Absolutely. Do I think they should actually get a real playoff system going? Absolutely. But will it happen? You're beating a dead horse, Bisco. I know this, but you know whenever you bring up this, I'm going to say it. Yes, but please, for the love of God, leave the horse alone. (laughs) Eric. Harry, you're going to hate me because I'm agreeing with Bisco on both points. You said it yourself. If you factor in the national championship game, that's 
41 postseason games with 80 teams out of 130 that are going to be playing some postseason game. I live in a city that hosts the Tax Slayer Bowl. I'm rooting for New Mexico State, but for the love of God, I'm not going to get up and take time out of my schedule or try to have to wake up in the morning and fight a hangover to see two six and six teams duke it out in the Bahamas. That's not worth my time. I think it's pathetic. I would say seven and five at minimum. And if you really wanted to do something, I would say you have to be at least an eight-win team to get to a bowl game. That's respectable. I'm going to disagree with eight and four, and especially in a Power Five conference, because those Power Five conferences tend to beat each other up. Well, true, but look at also look at some of the mediocrity in the Power Five conferences. Now, again, if you have Power Five conferences that scheduled other Power Five teams and fewer uh, group of five and FCS teams, then okay, I would ease back to seven and five. But with the power five teams manipulating the schedule with the group of five, and especially with the FCS teams, no, you can win eight. Yeah. Yes, nothing nothing says strong schedule like Auburn playing Mercer. Or, wait, no, it wasn't Auburn that played Mercer. It was Alabama that played Mercer. Who did Auburn? Auburn played some FCS cupcake do earlier in the year as well. So, all right. Um, I'm going to say that I think that I think 75 should be a requirement here because I don't think you should be rewarded for finishing 500. No. Right. And the fact that since you have so many bowl games, you had multiple instances of teams finishing five and seven that still get to bowl games. Well, that I- was. Last year, this year that did not happen. There were actually three six and six teams that got left out. All three group of five schools, I'll point out. Thankfully that that was the case, but I think if you mandate that seven and five requirement, you could easily get rid of, say, what, five, ten bowl games? I think that would be better. I mean, I will say that sometimes these six and six games end up leading to interesting contests here. Like, uh, six and six Oregon against Boise State was actually an entertaining game once Oregon woke up. I mean, Boise State was putting it on them early, but once Oregon woke up, it turned into a pretty decent game. Right. I'm not saying that you're not going to get any decent games, but I'm saying when we talk about flooding the market, what are you doing right now? You're flooding the market. Mm-hmm. All right. Buy or sell, at this point, this is Tom Brady's MVP trophy to lose. Oh, definitely. I mean, with that win over Pittsburgh this past week, you got to give it to him now. I mean, like I said, the the one person, especially after the last couple of weeks that he's played, um, the, the other front runner that I had in mind was Ben Roethlisberger. But now, after them getting walloped by uh, New England... It's his trophy to lose at this point. A uh, walloped is a stretch. Yeah, well, okay, maybe not so much walloped, but you hmm. know, it was a pretty solid win. Um, and also you said his name incorrectly. What? Oh, oh, sorry. Excuse me. Burger Rothless Rothless Burger. Thank there you. For you me. There you go. <laughs> and to all a good night. <laughs> 
Uh, Eric, you got a topic you want to throw out for buy or sell here? I'm actually going to open the floor up because I kind of want to get involved here since I don't, I don't have a third topic. Oh, wow. Brandon, if you have one, feel free to tell I've got one. Um, and this we'll, we'll talk about a little more next week, but we talked about it earlier. Buy or sell that, uh, the NFC South will have three teams in the playoffs. Uh, sell. Sell? Because I think that Atlanta's going to lose to New Orleans this week, and then I think they're going to lose to Carolina next week. Yeah, to go back to the last question, I had Russell Wilson as an MVP candidate. Yeah, that was a walloping, so I'm definitely going to buy that it is Brady's to lose. And as far as the NFC South, I'm honestly going to sell they'll get two in. But it really wouldn't surprise me, given the way things are shaking out, that Dallas finds a way to sneak in. I I really just I don't see it for Dallas. I think too many things have to happen, especially with Detroit. Uh, Detroit's still ahead of them. Dallas can take care of Seattle themselves this week. But with Detroit ahead of them and getting Cincinnati this week, I don't think it'll work out for Dallas's favor. So I, I guess I'm going to be the only one that's going to buy this because I I think Atlanta, especially with them having a pretty much win-and-you're-in type of game against Carolina next week at Mercedes-Benz, I, I think they'll be able to win that game, and I think they'll be able to get in. But I'm not sure because of what Atlanta did against Tampa Bay. Now, granted, that was basically Tampa Bay's Super Bowl, but the Falcons had a chance to put away that game a few times. They didn't. That's true. Hey, a win is a win is a win, and I got a win for my for my Are You Serious prediction, so I'll take it. <laughs> oh, stupid. Okay. I, I need to clarify that for how we're doing with this format. Because I either need to shut up or be very, very angry at the Jets. Okay, so with the the line of thinking for the lock and the the upset of the week here is that you cannot pick the same team more than once within your predictions. No, I understand that, but I mean, with the lock, does it still have to be a straight-up win, or is that against the spread? No, it's a straight-up win. Okay, then never mind. I'm sufficiently happy. <laughs> they just have to win the game. We, we don't really deal in point spreads here on the kickoff. Technically speaking, when I make my predictions based on upsets and stuff, I traditionally go off of record rather than point spread. Yeah, yeah I actually, for upsets, I go exclusively by point spread, which, boy... That's kind of paid off for me in recent weeks. Yeah, I've been doing that myself for the upset. All right, do we have anything else to touch on here before we hop on board the lane train for the last time this year? Nope. No. (laughs) Steven's not here, and he's going to miss the season finale of the lane train. We actually have breaking lane train news to talk about as well, so (laughs) woo-woo! All aboard! The lane train. <laughs> Ten years. Ten years. Okay, first of all, Florida Atlantic Brass is delusional as they think that Lane Kiffin's going to stay there for ten years. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they will, and I don't think they do, 
But that just shows a level of commitment to him. Saying, hey, here's a fantastic deal where you can make a lot of money. Look at what you did for us. This is what we're doing for you. I think if he stays, I don't know, four, they'll be happy. They're shooting for at least five. I'm saying they're going to be happy. to. They'll be lucky to get three based on Florida Atlantic's performance this year. Yeah. Well, it depends on if another big job opens up. Because jobs open up. Because he just put himself back on the national college map with Florida Atlantic's performance this year, and that bowl performance last night did nothing to hurt him. Although I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with Lane. Yeah, really? The hell? Did you really have to start that slow? We talked about this, Lane. Trolls go for a century. I love the aggressiveness, but you got to convert on those onside kicks and do things to get it right. You, you, you disappointed me in that first half. <laughs> yes. Can I point out the sincere disappointment when I saw the final score was only 50? <laughs> oh, you would have really been mad. It was 7 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. And Axe was actually driving to tie the game. Who booked this crap? <laughs> Seriously, I guarantee you, the reason the Boca Raton, the Studicherry, Studicherry, whatever the frickin' cherry bowl name was. The Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. Let's get it. Yeah, that's stupid bowl. That's stupid ass bowl name. The reason they gave them a cupcake at Akron is because they were fully expecting Lane and company to hang at least 70 on those chumps. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. You picked a six and six Akron team. Akron! I'm from Ohio. I live 40 minutes away from Akron. Even I don't know anybody on that team. They weren't very zippy, were they? No, no, they were not. (laughs) Which is ironic. Uh, Akron's actually known as the rubber city, and they kind of bounced. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me think of it this way. This was a uh, what word can I use? Uh no, nah, I'm drawing a blank. I was just gonna say that this is something for the Mac because that was your Mac runner up. Uh, it was it was time for some time for some time for some action <laughs> because there was so precious little of it against Florida Atlantic. Well, well, hey, at least the Zips still have basketball and soccer to look forward to. But, Eric, they couldn't even hang the Ron Jeremy they did to North Texas. I know! You think that I'm not disappointed? I was sitting in my car listening to that game screaming. Then I had to go into a Publix. Then I came back and I did even more screaming. (laughs) Tonight's Lane Train brought to you by Publix Grocery Store. (laughs) Shopping was a pleasure, but listening to that first half sure wasn't. And thus, for the final time this season, the Lane Train has reached its destination. It will be out of service until August 2018. Uh, no, I guarantee you we're talking spring game for them, because why not? <laughs> It'll be out of service until March of 2018. <laughs> <sighs> Sad. Thus ends one of my favorite segments this year. 
<laughs> hey, Brandon. Yeah? Get it together. You want me to start? I t- tossed to you, didn't I? Okay. I'm going to stick with the team that I talked about in my duds. And Seattle, get it together. You're, you're right on the cusp of making the playoffs. You had a huge game against Los Angeles that could have basically, you know, it wouldn't have distinctly secured you a spot, but it would have helped a lot because you'd be 9-5 and five now. You'd be tied with Atlanta. And, yes, Los Angeles is a good team, um, but when you're home and you got the 12th man behind you and Russell Wilson and the schedule doesn't exactly get any easier for them either. So, you know, Seattle, get together. You've got uh, Dallas at ho- or at Dallas this week, which is a big game for both teams' playoffs. So, uh, losers out. Yeah, losers out. Yeah, that's losers out. And then you've got a very winnable game at home against. Arizona on for week 17. So you've got to beat Dallas in Jerry's world and then win in or win against Arizona and hope a few other dominoes fall. Eric NFL technology. Now granted, I know we have a chip in the ball and we're reading all the players for these next-gen stats, and that's great. Please tell me this is about the index card. Yes, it is about the index card. (laughs) You territory! I love you, but I saw that damn smirk on her face as you were breaking out that card to measure that first down. First of all, why don't we even have digital down markers in the NFL? That astounds me. Second of all, with all of this golden age of technology that we're in with processors and computers and nanotechnology and things like that, you still have a clever referee, I will admit he was clever, playing up to the cameras, breaking out an index card, and hearing stories of another referee using a credit card to measure a first down? Really? Not only that, but um, wasn't it a little rigged when he folded it? Shouldn't it have been a flat index card? Yes, a flat card and holding that down marker right at a 90-degree angle. I really think that they missed that one. Yeah, oh, I agree with that. So, I mean, please, With although it was a bit of a hilarious moment, get it together. We need Especially to at this time of the season. Yes. <sighs> I tell you, some of the stuff that we deal with on this show on a regular basis, my ESPN app is being a pain and I can't get to my schedules. <laughs> some of the things we deal with on, the, on a regular basis in an NFL season is enough to make you just want to scream at something. <laughs> I do. Many you, know, do. you know what's enough to make me want to scream at something? What? Whoever thought Indianapolis and Denver would be a relevant uh, Thursday night game for the end of the regular season? 
Really? That's in prime time viewing? To, to be fair, this year's Thursday night football games have been more relevant than they were last year. It not, seems like Thursday night football games are not the marquee matchups that they try to put out for Monday night football. It's just kind of throwaway games. No, not, they don't put out marquee matchups for Monday night football anymore either. That's not true. to mention, I did find that redeeming because there were the nice double throwbacks that they did. Kudos to both teams for that. Oh, and yeah. I would say that I didn't even pay attention to the first half because shenanigans i'll leave it at that but i it's still the fact that i think they do that and more and more people are realizing thursday night football is a bad idea we've gotten some classic names this year but on the whole i think they're trying to do that to even attempt to upstage monday night football and really both of those have somewhat been slacking I mean, the Monday night game this week, the Monday night game this week with Atlanta and Tampa Bay actually ended up as a decent game, though. Yes, yes it did. We got Denver, one. Indiana, and Atlanta had something to play for. Okay, so I get the idea behind the booking of Denver and Indianapolis as a Thursday night game here. But at the same time, this is where the Thursday night football concept has jumped the shark to me. Because you end up with this game as the national broadcast on a Thursday night in, the, in this country here when there is better stuff to watch pretty much everywhere else you look. Well, true, but they made the NFL made that rule to where everybody's got to play on Thursday night at least once. For some of us, it's our only national broadcast of the year. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot you're going to have these really quirky matchups. And then we're getting at least to a benefit of the fact that we don't even have to deal with Thursday night anymore because now the games are uh, going towards Saturday. And then for week 17, it's all going to be in the red zone window. Well, that's because they don't want to run games on New Year's Day up against college football. And I guess that's kind of admirable. Well, extremely admirable. Because especially this year, you've got the semifinals, which begin with, you talk about absurd bowl games, the college football playoff at the Rose Bowl presented by Northwestern Mutual. (laughs) Um, I know we talked about this last week. Um, Can any of you confirm or deny whether we are getting a Sunday Night Football game next week? No, I can confirm. We're not. Okay. All no, the, games are the two college football playoffs are next Sunday night. Yeah. All of Oh, they're – okay. I always – so they're still they doing – They did it uh, – or New Year's Eve? The last Sunday night football game is going to be Christmas Day. They're going to do two games on Christmas Day. So you have the Monday night football finale at 8 and the Sunday night football finale at uh, – 430. Four. Yeah. yeah. 430. Steelers game. Yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh, but Houston. They're doing the New Year's Six bowl games on New Year's Eve. No, they're going the finals on New Year's Eve. Yeah, three uh, okay. of the New Year's Six bowls, New Year's Day, and then you've got them. I believe what is it? Two on Saturday, one on Friday. 
That's weird. Yeah, one well, Friday. So they can keep up the whole have one every day thing. Right, yeah. one yeah. Friday, two Saturday, and then three, including the two semifinals, Monday. Yeah, this year for the semifinals, it's going to be Monday to Monday. There's not going to be that extra day in between. Mm-hmm. Nope. But, uh... So that'll take us up there. We'll have our preview for the New Year's Six games next week here on the kickoff. It will take the place of our buy or sell segment next week, just as a heads up, gentlemen. Okay. Okay. And, Sean, you're more than welcome to join us for that as well. Always appreciate it. That being said, now it's time for the next to last regular season edition of – are you serious? Brandon, your lock. My lock for this week is the Panthers over the Buccaneers at home. And in case you're wondering where the Buccaneers are, under my bucking hat. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Eric? Well, I was going to say, because I'm looking at my lock in my upset, and I'm like, hey, that that that, that lock with the Panthers is looking awful familiar. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Did you guys both take that game? Yes. <laughs> Shoot. And Eric would have given it to me first. So, Brandon, I'm going to need you to find another pick. Uh, because I had one before, too, that I thought was a lock. Um let me go look real quick. Eric, do yours. Well, that was mine. The Panthers over Did the that, block. Okay, that, yeah, that's yours. <laughs> I mean, with something like that, and especially why with a nice nine and a half point spread, can, I couldn't resist. Well, while he's looking for another lock prediction, I'll go ahead and give you Stevens in mind. Uh, Stevens' lock is Dallas over Seattle, which... Um, well, we'll talk more about that game in a few moments. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. Dramatic reverb. My lock for the week is Minnesota over Green Bay. I think now that Hunley is back as the starting quarterback for the Packers, the Packers are realizing that this is a lost season. Minnesota has significantly more to play for than Green Bay does. Specifically, they are still trying to get the overall top seed in the NFC and not have to leave their stadium throughout the entirety of the National Football League playoffs, which would be the first time ever a team has played a home game in the Super Bowl. And Minnesota is going to come out and play like it against the Brett Hundley-led Green Bay Packers. This is going to get ugly, folks. Okay, I've got my lock now. We now go back to Brandon for his lock. Dun-dun-dun! My my lock will be the Steelers over the Texans on on Monday afternoon. That's, That's fair. Especially after what, especially after the way Pittsburgh may or may not have been screwed by the referees on Sunday. Tied <laughs> for the third biggest spread of the week, Steelers minus ten. And you know something's up. I guess they were waiting on the announcement because there isn't even a line on the Vikings-Packers game. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Probably because they were waiting to find out about a Ron. Yeah, yep. that's that was my course of thought on that one. Uh, so, Eric, 
Stevens, uh, Stevens walk was Dallas over Seattle. Funny story about that. Yeah, very funny story because, uh, yeah, even though with the divisiveness in the locker room, even with Pete Carroll finally admitting things, I had Russell Wilson as my MVP. If anybody could will a team to victory, especially as a three-point dog, it would be him. So I'm picking Seattle over Dallas as my upset. One of us is going to be right, unless it's a tie, in which case I would be just as happy. (laughs) Technically speaking, Seattle has to win for you to get credit for the victory in our predictions pool. I'm well aware of that, but I would love a tie just for playoff chaos. Potentially. <laughs> I would love I would love a Seattle win just so that way we can finally stop hearing about the Cowboys this season. Yeah. I mean, Brandon gets it far worse than I do as an NFC East fan himself, but Steven and Sean would be unbearable if they have a chance to make it into the playoffs next week. Oh, God, yeah, they would. See, aren't you glad I'm at least a reasonable, skeptical fan of my team? <laughs> well, yeah. hold on. When am I unbearable You're on this show? About? You guys are much worse homers than I am. Speaking of homers, my upset pick for the week is Buffalo over New England. Go, Bills, go! Yeah, yeah Mr. Unbearable himself talking hey, here. Hey, you stole that. I, or no, not you. You didn't steal that. Eric stole mine. Never mind. <laughs> I'm about to say, everybody's unbearable homers. Come on now, Sean. <laughs> we are the official We are the official homer broadcast of the W2M yeah, network. You what, imagine what, what I would have been like this season if the Giants didn't drop him back a doo-doo? <laughs> <laughs> they dropped him back a deuce. <laughs> yeah. <they> yeah. <laughs> I'm dying over here. I'm good. Um, yeah, the reason I'm picking Buffalo over New England is strictly Homer here. Um, realistically speaking, I'm expecting us, us to get our tails kicked on Sunday. Hey, I but, mean, they they have had uh, they have been the the uh, Patriots before, so in Foxborough. But Tom Brady didn't play in that game. This that game, Tom Brady's playing, and he has something to play for. That's true. And Gronkowski is playing as well. This could be a miracle win for Buffalo, or I could end up hanging a minus 40 in my predictions pool for the year. (laughs) Oh, by the way, remember how I said that minus 10 was a tie for the third biggest line of the weekend? Second biggest line, Patriots minus 10 and a half. Okay, now I'm curious. Baltimore minus 12 and a half over the Colts Saturday afternoon. I'm taking Indy there. (laughs) If if I'm taking 12 and a half, I'm taking Indy there. I'm still taking Baltimore, even with that big number. Sorry. (laughs) Regardless, Brandon, upset who you got. My upset is going to be counter to your lock. Uh, just as Eric's upset is counter to uh, Steven's lock. I'm going Packers over Vikings. I feel like we had this conversation last week in the Baltimore-Cleveland game. Yeah, we did. And uh, who won there? Yeah, but at the same time, it was your lock over my upset. You This week, true. you have the upset. True, true. This time, it's reversed. Yes. 
Revenge, thou art a biatch. <laughs> Steven's upset pick for the week is... Hold on, I just lost my place on the thing. I don't know why this thing resets every time I minimize it. Annoys the crap out of me and makes me have to go searching, and then I have to kill time on the air while I search. <laughs> so, like, we need the Jeopardy theme song. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. I remember his upset pick now because it pissed off one of our co-hosts. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm pretty sure he fails to realize who he has to work with in the NFL offseason. That's all I'm going to say about that matter. Not only does he forget who he has to work with in the NFL offseason, he forgets who produces the SCU show, too. <laughs> On occasion, yes. <laughs> Steven's upset pick is San Francisco over Jacksonville. Gee, oh, huh. my computer's really been acting up lately. It'd be a damn shame if I were called in to produce and something happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are not subtle on this show at all. No. <laughs> Gentlemen, do we have do we have any that fixed? Do we have anything else that we need to talk about before we get out of here for the week? Oh, let us be the first to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And I know we're also in the middle of Hanukkah right now, so Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy Festivus, happy Winterinus, happy Christmas Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yeah, I think my bases are covered. Damn it, Eric, you beat me to it. Are you, say- are you saying that this is the Festivus for the rest of us? <laughs> yes. Pretty much. Well, that checks out. <laughs> like, Eric, like Eric just said, guys, whatever it is you celebrate, celebrate safely, be responsible, have fun with your friends and your family here. I get to celebrate with my girlfriend for the first time. I'm looking forward to that. Mm, I hope a holly jolly Christmas is in order. chicka wow wow. And on that note, for our executive producer, Sean Garmer, my co-host, Brandon Bisco, being our former producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins, and the absent Stephen Err. Get your ass back here, Stephen. <laughs> my name is Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to The Kickoff here on the W2M Network, available online at www.w2mnet.com and by searching for the W2M Network in all of your favorite podcast listening applications and such. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with our New Year's Six preview and the final week of the regular season in the National Football League. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.